thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Where is the rock star? She's off gallivanting all over the countryside, Again. just just like a tart hussy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Takes one to know one, though, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that, my love. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the Christmas season and the holiday season, so it kind of makes sense that she's off on holidays, and you've just come back from holidays. I have, I have. Me? No, I've been here slogging it out the whole time. Just kidding. I was going to say you're about to leave, Tart. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So what we thought we would bring you over the next couple of weeks is um, the podcast is going to be the recordings that we three girls did along with seven other extraordinary speakers that we delivered at the Wellness Summit in Melbourne earlier this year. That's right. You know, we were so fortunate to share the stage. Remember, there was over 600 people in that room. Oh, it was amazing. And we decided to bring you our three individual talks that we gave at that summit over these few over this holiday break, because we know that you'll not only get to benefit from hearing us, but if you go to thewellnesscouch.com, you'll be able to actually download the other seven amazing speakers. And they're exceptional. You definitely won't regret it. So if you want to get your hands on the full recording, go over to thewellnesscouch.com and click on the tab in the top right-hand corner that says shop. Now, you know, you'll not only get us three, or you'll obviously get us three on the uh, over this holiday period. but Which is fabulous in and of which, itself. You know, we could just finish there and then, really. Well, it's but, possible. We could just do that. But what we are <laughs> ex- inviting you to do is to, to listen to people like Ron Ehrlich, who was the amazing holistic dentist from Sydney, who had an incredible conversation all around breathing, which completely blew me away. Oh, that was extraordinary. Was amazing, yeah. wasn't he? And then there was Nicole. I can't pronounce her last name, but she was extraordinary. And she talked all about EMFs and chemicals in the home and trying to eradicate um, how to, to lessen our toxic mm. footprint on this planet which was another really fascinating topic. I was super inspired yeah. by her actually. When I came home I made lots of changes in the house but I also made lots of changes about how I use my uh, my phone yeah. and I also became really conscious of the water that I'm showering with and that I'm using in my washing machine. I know. So listeners make sure that you have a listen to what she's got to say because it's going to be a real eye opener like it was for me. Yeah and of course there's the wellness guy Darling. So Aww. the three of our delicious, beautiful <laughs> friends, um, they spoke beautifully and all independently. So it's a chance for you guys to actually listen to us all one-on-one, deliver what we gave to these 600 amazing people down in Melbourne this year. So I talked about um, how to find your voice and how to give some real strength and power to the gifts and talents that we've all been blessed with. And then I went into the personalities, which I know we've covered, guys, but this one's a little bit different in the fact that it's an interactive workshop. It was awesome. So you will actually be listening to 600 people having to move around the room, and I directly talked to each of the four personality types. It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? That was exceptional. I love delivering that talk. And you were just on fire. It was just (laughs) brilliant. And then followed, I think Cindy followed you, didn't she? No, no, I was last. You were last. Oh, that's right. You were sucked in. That's so tough. Yeah, it was tough, (laughs) but it was nice. then you followed Cindy, because yeah. I remember one of you followed the other, and I went, "Oh, tough gig, yeah. tough gig." Because yeah, Cindy was the most extraordinary, her extraordinary self, of course. But she spoke a lot about um, grain. 
grains and genetic modification and also she spoke a lot about our own genes because a lot of the um, philosophies and theories out there right now are that our genetics are responsible for our health and well-being and Cindy of course throws the cat amongst the pigeon when it comes to that theory so you definitely don't want to miss any of these podcasts so we hope you enjoy what you're about to hear sit back relax and we'll speak to you on the other side the great thing I think about Cindy is that she talks outwardly and loudly on what a lot of us are thinking inwardly and quietly. She brings it to the surface like no one else. That takes a huge amount of courage and for that we thank you. Would you please welcome to the stage the one, the only, Cindy O'Meara. clairs and vanilla slices were out for us and they were at five cents. So we'd buy it and we'd eat it. Then we'd walk home from school and the local fish and chip shop was pretty cool. We'd get hot chips, we'd throw salt and vinegar on it and then I'd walk home. I had an American mother, milk and cookies every time I got home. And then we would have dinner and then we always had dessert. If my mother didn't make dessert, there'd be an uproar. Do you know in the school that I went to of 600 girls, I don't remember any fat kids. I don't remember autism or allergies or Asperger's or all the asthmas and problems that we have today. That wasn't that long ago. And yet I ate meat pies, uh, vanilla slices and chocolate eclairs. But guess what? The chocolate eclair that I ate was made with real chocolate, real butter, real wheat, real foods, eggs, etc. The chocolate eclairs today could be made from 50 ingredients. And that's why you never get your five cents worth of chocolate eclair anymore because they can put it away for the next seven weeks. (laughs) And then when it doesn't look good anymore, they throw it away. Not when it's gone off, but they get to throw it away. Yesterday, somebody sent me the uh, ingredient list for Subway. The chicken has 32 ingredients in it. 
the, the steak, the chopped steak, it, it, the lines went for like 15. We're not eating real foods anymore. What we're eating is a bunch of chemicals and our evolutionary bodies just can't do it anymore. You know, I, I wanted to do something with health. My dad was a chiropractor. He was a pharmacist, by the way. Uh, but he became a chiropractor because he couldn't stand what was happening. He felt that people were getting sicker and sicker, not better and better. And he heard about this thing called chiropractic, so he went across to America because that's the only place he could do it back then, and he became a chiropractor. And when I was being brought up, we were really interested in health. At the age of 15, I'm listening to Earl Nightingale. You know, nobody did that back when I was 15. That was like 1975. So I started to get really interested in doing something different, but I also loved to ski. So I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder, and one of the subjects that I did was anthropology. And I did cultural anthropology where I learned to see how people ate throughout the ages, from the hunter-gatherers, the agricultural revolution, to the herding society, and up till 1960, when things started to change which is what I'm going to be talking to you about, is how we have changed, how things have changed so much. So I came back. I, I was so excited about food and nutrition that I came back to Australia and I did my Bachelor of Science majoring in nutrition at Deakin University. And I studied the food pyramid table. And at the end of my three years, I started to look at my lecturers a little bit more critically. I had one lecturer, he'd sit on a stool like this and his stomach would come down to his knees. And I went, if you're teaching me this and you look like that, I want nothing to do with it. And I wanted to become a dietitian. But to go and do my final year in dietetics, I had to work in a hospital. They fed jello. And they fed cornflakes. They fed modified milks and margarine and Vegemite. And then when there were critical care patients where they needed a peg feed or a nasogastral tube, they fed them high fructose corn syrup, protein isolates, whether it be whey or soya, canola oil, and 16 vitamins and minerals. And I'm like going, how can this, how can this help anybody? So I knew I didn't want to be a nutritionist. I couldn't teach that. So I went back to university and I started a human anatomy um, degree. And as I'm doing human anatomy and I'm finishing on my two years of human anatomy, I went, yes, yeah, not the dead ones I care about. <laughs> it's actually the live ones. And so I started on a path of biochemistry. And, uh, you know, that has just opened up my very eyes as to what the body needs and how the body needs certain foods as well as certain activities. You know, Brett talked about activity as far as movement goes, and that was one of the things that we need. And I don't need to talk about that because he's gone through it. So what happened was I consulted as a nutritionist saying the exact opposite to everyone else because I have a really good rule of thumb. Look at what everybody else is doing and then run like hell the other way. Because you know what a statistic is, don't you? A statistic is that everybody's doing the same thing and getting the same result. Do you want the statistics uh, that Lawrence talked about? You know, about how many diseases are happening at the moment. I don't want to be part of those statistics. Who does in the room? That's why you're here. Because you are going to be doing things of different... Because everybody else that didn't come, who went to pink last night, <laughs> you know, they're still headbanging and, and doing their music and probably drank too much. <laughs> who went to pink last night, anyone? <laughs> 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 All right, so... 
basically, oh, I've lost my train of thought with pink. <laughs> so basically what happened is I consulted uh, for quite a while. And then I had babies and decided I wanted to be in the home. And, you know, after six years of university and then going into the home and having babies, you just go a little bit stir-crazy. So I thought, what can I do at home? So I started to write, wrote for the local paper. And the local paper uh, basically asked me to do a weekly column for them. For two years I did this column. Lots of problems. Got sued by quite a few food manufacturers, in actual fact. (laughs) And then I I wrote this one on um, diet drinks and um, my editor said to me, can't publish it, Cindy. I went, why not? He said, we'll be sued by the biggest food manufacturer in the world. I said, you know what? If you can't stick your neck out and tell the truth, I'm not prepared to write for you anymore. So I left and I wrote a book called Changing Habits, Changing Lives back in 1995. Nobody wanted it. It was too way out there. So I decided to self-publish. Self-published, sold 20,000. Then everybody wanted me. Penguin, and they took me on. But everybody wants you when you're a success. So I wrote that book... And about three years ago, my husband joined me in my business. And one day he said to me, what is it with the salt chapter in your book, Changing Habits, Changing Lives? How many times do people ask you how to make that salt up that you're talking about? I go, I don't know, you know, five, ten emails, phone calls. Whenever I finish a talk, if I've said, oh, you know, you just get the Himalayan salt and the dulcet, you put it together and da-da-da. So you're going, what? So that's what they would do. So he said, let's make it up. Let's make the food up so that it makes it easy for people. And in a very short period of time, within a week, we saw 400, 500 grams of salt. And we both sat there, scratched our heads and went, they don't only want the, you don't only want the information, you actually want the food that I've been talking about for the last 30 years. So now what we have is we have a food company where we source ethical foods from around the world. So I'm not going to give you fruits, vegetables, meats, dairies, things like that. You need to get them locally. But these are foods that you cannot get in Australia that I actually bring from all around the world. My husband travels, I travel, we travel all the time looking for the food. We inspect them like you wouldn't believe. We want to know that what we're bringing to you and to your plate is a food that is a natural food. They've done nothing to it. So that's what we do now is is basically um, find foods. It's a lot of fun, I've got to tell you. So I'm inspired by a lot of people. In actual fact, there's some people in the room that have inspired me beyond what you would ever think. But one person inspired me about three years ago, I believe it was. Somebody sent me a video and they asked me to watch it. It was by a a lady, uh, her name was Dr. Terry Wall. She was a medical doctor. This is her. She was on TED.com. If any of you are not watching TED.com, I would suggest you go and look up your favourite subject on TED.com and, and have a listen to what they're doing. Anyway, it's only a 20-minute lecture, and she started to talk, and she said she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. She was on a diet that was very much what we call the SAD diet, the standard Australian diet, or the standard American diet. doesn't matter. Or the, it could be the SNUZ which is a standard New Zealand diet, whatever way you want to do it. So she's on this, this diet, and she has, she's given the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. She knows exactly what to do. She's able to get the best medicines that she can get. She knows the best therapeutic remedies that she can do. And so she does it. She go, like the medication she's taking, she's on five lots of medications. 
She then, by the year 2007, is in a tilted wheelchair, can't walk without a huge frame, and is an absolute mess. So she starts to read, and she starts to take a, a concoction of vitamins and minerals. She realises that for her myelin sheaths to start to be produced again, because that's what's happening, they're being degraded, she has to start giving the vitamins and minerals that those myelin sheaths need. While she has some improvement, it's not what she wants. She keeps reading. And she realises that food is the most important thing she should be doing. So she goes on a diet of meats and greens and fruits, nuts and seeds, and she basically in five months starts to ride her bike again. By the end of two years, she goes on an amazing ride um, with her partner through the Canadian Rockies. She's now doing clinical trials in Iowa, USA with about 350 people with multiple sclerosis. Because what happened is that she started to realise that it's the food that we're eating that is killing us. And there's a new study out that says that the foods, the refined foods, is part of the epidemic of the autoimmunity that's happening around the world. Do you know there are so many autoimmune diseases that we've now um, indicated? And heart disease is one, myocarditis, osteoporosis. Um, There's so many of them are linked now. Thyroid, Alzheimer's, um, Hashimoto's. Addison's. I, I could keep going. There is just, it keeps going on now that these diseases are, the body doesn't know itself anymore. It starts to attack itself. It says, that thyroid is no good. Let's get rid of it. Or that beta cells in the pancreas are no good. Let's get rid of it. And you become a type 1 diabetic. You know what? I've always known this. I've always known that food is the, the cornerstone of our health. It's not the only thing. But to me, it's the cornerstone of our health. Because think about it this way. You put junk in, what are you going to get? Junk. You put good stuff in, you're going to get good stuff. Yet we don't know what is good or bad anymore. We've lost our way. We believe the marketing and advertising of that margarine is going to lower your cholesterol. Who in the room... Oh, I shouldn't have even said that in the first place. But anyway, who in the room eats Marge? Still? I, I like. I am just flabbergasted that we believe the chemical laboratory can do better than butter, and it really. And like I do, I, I asked that question before I've even told you what I think about it. But anyway, um, I asked that question, and it's amazing how many people still put up their hand and believe that this is going to lower their cholesterol. Do you know they've changed the advertising on margarine? It actually doesn't say lower cholesterol. It says lowers cholesterol absorption. Now, I want you to know the cholesterol that you consume has nothing to do with the cholesterol in your blood. It's, it's very, very... It, there's no connection. Yet they say lowers cholesterol absorption. Well, what, what does that mean? That it stops the cholesterol going into my blood? but that doesn't make any difference to my blood cholesterol, so what's the point? And I'll pay $8 for that, thank you very much. So this is the way I look at it. We're going to start eating out of a different car park. <laughs> and you can't go to Subway. After reading the ingredients of Subway, I'm absolutely blown away by it. So what do we eat? Who do we believe? Why would I be any better than the nutritional guidelines, which are the opposite to me? Remember I do? What everyone else is doing, I run the opposite way and do the opposite thing. Do you know I'm 52 and I'm 53 next month and I've never had an antibiotic, a Panadol or an aspirin? I've never had any form of medication prescribed or unprescribed. My children are adult children and they too have never had any. And it was because of my father who was a pharmacist and then became a chiropractor. He said, unless it's a life-threatening situation, my children will never have any medications. 
and I've just been lucky that I haven't been in a life-threatening situation. Maybe it's not luck. But I have been hit by a truck as a pedestrian. I've broken many bones, fallen off horses. I like to do extreme sports. So I've had all of these things happen, but because my dad believed this, that if you have a pain and your first pain is usually your teeth coming through, let the body deal with it so you can deal with the bigger pains in life. And if you have an infection, let the body deal with it so you can deal with the bigger infections in life. And that's how I was brought up. But let's go back in time a little bit, back to anthropological times, because this is what I, that was the beginning of my education, was anthropology. And there's a book out called Catching Fire. And the belief is this, is that about 1.8 million years ago, we started to use fire. And as a result, our night time got a little bit more light in it. And we started to cook our foods. And we stopped spending all our days eating, and we cooked our foods, which increased the calorie intake that we were taking, and we were able to increase what we were available to us. And therefore, we could produce communities and have more time to do other things rather than just eat. And so the hunter-gatherer was the beginning of, of our um, eating. And then what happened is that we, we got into a herding society, or it really agriculture came in before that, and we started to eat grains. And then it was a herding society where we started to eat dairy and, and foods like that. But what's interesting is that the whole raw food movement that's out there at the moment, we've gone back 1.8 million years. I actually believe we need to cook our foods. We need to cook our foods because that's the way we have evolved to eat. But think about the firelight also at night. That firelight at night, we've gotten used to for the past 1.8 million years. We, our biochemistry has evolved to that firelight. So let's talk about night and day. Because night and day is very important to your biochemistry. And if you're not getting it, then you're in real trouble. Most of us, though, and if I had my phone with me, I'd show you, have our phones here at midnight, going through Facebook and, and everything else. We have television screens, we have bright lights, and we're not realising that that is affecting our biochemistry. Do you know, what's the, who, who would like to tell me, what's the biggest vitamin deficiency at the moment? Yeah. See, you all know. <laughs> I live in southeast Queensland. We've got lots of sunlight. And yet, it's one of the biggest problems in southeast Queensland. But you know this? Is that the Mayo Clinic says that you only need 10 minutes of sunshine every couple of days in order to activate the cholesterol that you need to create the vitamin D for health. Then something's wrong, isn't there? Who's not getting their 10 minutes every couple of days? Okay, a couple. But most of you are, and that's not the percentage that now have a vitamin D deficiency, which is in the 40% range. So it's got to be something else other than sunlight, doesn't it? And what we realise now, it's not the sunlight in our lives that we need to worry about, it's the darkness in our lives. And in the winter, we should be hibernating, getting to bed at least two to three hours before midnight, turning down your lights, and then sleeping right through till the sun starts to come up. And I know that's not always possible, but if we can start to do it, you'll start to realise you'll start to sleep better, your vitamin D will increase. And so it's a night-day thing, not just a day thing. See, what we do is we look down the barrel of a microscope and we go, aha, vitamin D is a problem, let's give everybody D3 and D2. But if you knew where D3 and D2 are coming from, you might think twice about taking it and rather just get a bit more sleep. By the way, in the summer, you can live it up. 
you know, because the light, it's light till 10 o'clock, so you can have a bit more time. So what we do at home is we get home and we usually eat around 6 o'clock. Now, I know when people live, live in the city, this is hard. But you've got to, if you work with your biochemistry, your body will work for you so much better. So we try and eat about 6 o'clock. After the kitchen's all cleaned up, could be about 7, 7.30, we dull down our lights. We turn lights off. We dim our, our light switches. We make sure our television, if we want to watch it, is a fair way from us. And we do not have televisions in our bedroom. There's other things to do in the bedroom. <laughs> so night and day is re- was really important to our evolution. You have to get back to understanding that and working with also the seasons. So what happened? We didn't care about time. We just had seasons and night and day. We didn't care if it was 1 o'clock. Oh, my gosh, it's 5 to 12. I should be off in five minutes, right? No, we didn't think about things like that. What we were thinking about was what was happening and what, what food we could get. So in the summer, guess what? We would eat lots of fruits and vegetables because they were available to us. The meat of, of that time, because they could graze through all the grasses, had a higher fat content. We would eat more food during the summer and we would gain around 4.5 to 5 kilos. At that point, the fat around, the body, around our body would release something called leptin. Leptin is the master hormone that says to the body, yay, we've got a bit of weight on us. We have the ability to get pregnant because that's what it was all about. And so what we would do is that that would be a time of fun and frivolity and um, you would get pregnant. And then HCG would be delivered to the body. And the HCG said in times of deprivation of food, I'm going to make sure you have enough with that 4.55 kilos of fat on you to get you through the winter. So when the winter came, we would eat less foods. There wouldn't be as much fruit around. Our body would produce the fat. But not only the pregnant women would have the HCG, but the men produced the HCG from their brain. And as a result, what would happen is that we were able to use the fat in our fat stores. We didn't need the sugar rushes. And then the spring would come, the baby would be born, there'd be more food, and life would return to the seasonal. Do you see how this worked? What happens now? We all get fat in the winter. Don't we? We have completely screwed our biochemistry. We've completely screwed up everything. But you know what? You can be a modern girl or a modern boy living an, an, anthro- or an evolutionary life. You just have to think. Exactly what Brett says, that he, with everything he does in exercise, would a hunter-gatherer have done that or an agriculturalist or a herder done that? So the same with the way you live your life. Would this have been the way they lived their life? Because you are a body that has been evolved. You are not something that's just landed on this planet and you can eat, you know, all these synthetic foods. You can stay up till late. You can take medications and expect to live with vibrant energy and vibrant health. It just, it's just not going to work. So where did we go wrong? First of all, the electric light bulb came in. And I don't think that that's a problem. It's just that that was the beginning. And that was only 1920. We can't have evolved to the electric light bulb. So that was number one. I believe another really big change in history in our food was a gentleman by the name of Ansel Keys. Ansel Keys actually created the K rations for World War II. K rations were the rations that the army or the navy or whoever them got, what they could take out on patrol. And of course they couldn't put bacon and eggs in there, could they? So they put breakfast cereals and they put foods that would last forever. So that was the beginning of Ansel Keys' relationship with food. 
he decided that he wanted to find out why when everybody came back from the war there was heart disease problems. He forgot he put cigarettes, by the way, in the K-ration, but anyway. So he went looking and he studied 22 countries. Six of the countries fitted his hypothesis, which was that fat caused heart disease. So he left the other countries behind and he just put the six in his study and he fed it to the Heart Foundation of America. And what they did was they looked at it and they went, well, this all looks good. First of all, he was laughed out, but in time they started to come to his way. And that's where breakfast cereals and modified milks and low fat and all of these things started to come. And that's why we are the low fat revolution now. And obviously it's not working. You know, insanity is doing the same thing and, getting, and expecting a different result. Well, the Heart Foundation, they just keep pumping that low-fat thing. And I love how they are not commenting on sugar at the moment. You know, they're just not commenting. You know their criteria? The criteria is it's got to be low in fat. It must be high in fibre. It must be low in calories. It must be low in salt. And it must... I can't remember the fifth one, but it's, it's to me, it's obsolete. What is it? It must have some nutrition in it. I don't know where you got that one from. (laughs) So anyway, that's their criteria. Nothing about sugar. So you can go and get a Heart Foundation tick of approval that has 70% sugar in it. You know, and when you look at the research that's happening at the moment, sugar is probably the biggest problem in our heart disease than fat ever was. Fat was never a problem. Saturated fat particularly. What happened? I feel sorry for saturated fat. (laughs) You really have to. It's got a really bad deal. But guess what? For 1.8 million years, we've probably been eating a lot of saturated fat. In the summer especially. And then all of a sudden, this guy by the name Ansel Key says, that's the problem. How can an evolutionary food be causing a a disease, a, um, a Neolithic disease, a new disease? How can it? So because of Ansel Keys, the whole cholesterol thing came in. And so by the 1980s, everybody started to get their cholesterol read. But in in actual fact, cholesterol reading has nothing really to do with heart disease statistics. What it does, it is an indicator that there's something wrong and that you may need to change your lifestyle, not just take a drug. But all all we're told is, oh, your cholesterol's high, you have to go on statin drugs or you die tomorrow. And if you think I'm lying, they did that to my husband. He went to the doctor. He said, you have a 40% chance of dying tomorrow of a heart attack if you do not get your cholesterol down. You need to take statin drugs. And I just, my husband came home and told me, and I just went, that's just crazy. I can't believe that that's what they're saying. It's fear-mongering. So what does high cholesterol mean? could mean you have a copper iron deficiency. It could mean you have an inflammatory response happening in your body, which is maybe something that you're consuming and you've been consuming for the last 20, 30 years. It could be um, that you've just had an operation because you will have high cholesterol if you have an operation because cholesterol is the healer. It could be um, you have a cold. It could be many things that cause it. But what we do is we turn the indicator light on. It's a bit like this. Driving along in your car, the red light for the oil comes on, you don't want anything to do with it, you put the cardboard over it. You keep driving, what happens? Car breaks down. Same thing. It's an indicator. Let's do something about our lifestyle. Let's make some changes. So to me, Ansel Keys has a lot to answer for. He's dead now, so he's not going to worry about it. (laughs) But this is the next person that I think has changed our health unbelievably. But I don't believe he did it maliciously. 
I actually believe he was a very noble man looking for a problem to the starvation of the planet. And what he did back in the 1970s and into the 80s is he hybridised the wheat grain. And as he hybridised it, he made it from a tall to a dwarf. He changed the actual um, way that the harvesters could get through it and he tenfolded the ability of this grain to grow on one acre. So the yield got higher and higher. Went to Pakistan and India and it fed a hungry planet. But then it started to seep into America and Australia. And now 95% of the, pl- of the planet's wheat is this new hybridised wheat. When I was growing up in the 60s in that fantasy world that I was telling you about, nobody had a gluten, and pro- gluten problem. But everybody, everyone in this room knows someone who can't eat wheat or can't eat gluten. And there's a really good reason to that. Because when he did the studies, he didn't test it on animals or humans. In actual fact, in 2009, there's a new hybrid strain that's come out, and it's called Clearfield Wheat. And it's on about a million acres in America. Thank goodness it's not in Australia yet. And this Clearfield Wheat is manipulated, hybridised by a chemical. And this chemical, if you get poisoned by this chemical, in you ring poison control, they'll say, do not resuscitate. Because if you're the resuscitator and get a bit of that chemical on you, it'll kill you. <laughs> In actual fact, if you vomit because you've had this chemical, they say don't put it in anything small because it will explode. Exploding vomit, lovely. <laughs> don't be anywhere near it. So they're using this chemical and it's called Clearfield. Now, I, I'm not sure I want to trust this stuff. I'm not even talking about genetic modification. I'm just talking about the hybridisation of the wheat grain. And it was manipulated. It wasn't a natural course. So it was completely manipulated. So here I am, I'm hitting 50, not feeling the best I could feel, still not taking any medications, starting to put on some weight. So here's a picture of me um, on your left-hand side, starting to put on some weight, still eating real foods, organic foods, everything right, everything that I've ever believed in. But what is happening? I have a sore low back. I have a husband who's a chiropractor, a sister who's a chiropractor, and and a father who's a chiropractor, and all my friends are chiropractors. You know... I have a sore low back. So it's not structural. My right hip, when I get up, starts to... I have red hot pokers in my hip. I'm getting a sore hand here and I'm getting a tightening of my throat. Putting on weight, doing all this. You know, I'm like going, all right, I'll do a cleanse. I'll do a fast. I'll do this. So I start to do all these things and nothing's improving. And then one day I decide to do an elimination. And I'll eliminate everything from my diet, except what Terry Wall did. Dr. Terry Wall, who cured herself of multiple sclerosis. But I also took nuts and seeds out. So I did five fruits, greens, and meat, fish, and chicken, organic. And in small amounts. I pretended that I was back in the winter of the hunter-gatherer. Because I figured that was a time for me, uh, or humans, to do some serious cleansing. Within one week, I'm walking with my girlfriend and she says to me, why aren't you stretching like you always do? So I would walk two kilometres and I'd have to do this to stretch my lower back out because it just ached so much. And she'd go, why aren't you stretching? I went, oh, that's right, I, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't got a low back pain anymore. And then, you know, as the time went on, everything started to lift off me. No more aches, no more pains, no more tight throat, no more nothing. And, it, and I did this two years ago. And I just get better and better and better. I am more limber than I've ever been. 
I can do a yoga pose. Like, I used to go, oh, yoga, that's for sissies. Because I couldn't do it. But now I love it because I can do it. And through this whole elimination, I remember um, Kim. I rang Kim about 10 days into it. And I went to her, I know what's happening. But, and I'm not on drugs, I promise you. But everything is the clearest it's ever been in my life. I have such clarity of mind. So I finished the the three-week. It was a three-week elimination. And then I started to reintroduce foods back into the diet, slowly but surely. I went to Woodford Folk Festival. I was speaking at Woodford Folk Festival as the introduction was beginning. And I had to eat something because I didn't take enough food. I took my breakfast and my lunch, but I didn't take my dinner. And I didn't know I was going to be out there for dinner. So I went to Gopal's, which was the vegetarian restaurant, which is filled with, you know, semolina and rices and and all of those foods. And I thought, that'll probably be my best bet. I ate it. I had all my aches and pains back. And the next day, and I got on the scales and I gained 900 grams. Now, to gain that, it's not putting on fat. It's putting on inflammation. It's putting on water. And all of a sudden, I went, oh. How could that be? How can that be? How can this be my problem? And that's when I started to research. And I I read the book Wheat Belly by um, Dr. William Davis. And then from there, I've read um, Grains, uh, what was it? Um, Society's Double-Edged Sword. And from there, I've just kept reading and reading and reading. So I'm not saying that I am paleo, but I am wheat-free. There is no wheat allowed in our our house whatsoever in any form now when you go wheat free guess what happens people go oh what am I going to (laughs) eat you know like I have wheat bix for brekkie you know that's the 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 iconic thing to do and then I put my low-fat milk on it that's got calcium which is calcium carbonate which is coral not sure that's going to do me any good Um, because I don't know of any hunter-gatherer that ever ate coral Not sure of that one. Uh, and then, or then it could have the iron shalings in it that I can get out with a magnet. Not sure if anyone was licking cars back then either. So, you know, to go off wheat is not easy. But I tell you what, it's rewarding. Who's done the protocol in the room? Wow, so quite a few of you. And who is feeling unbelievable with that protocol and knows what I'm talking about? You, you live a different life. You become a different person. My husband off wheat is the nicest man. (laughs) Get them off it, guys. (laughs) It's quite amazing. But then you know what happens? Is people do the protocol, they figure out what they're not meant to do, and then they sabotage themselves. Because they they got you know, you have to be educated. You have to understand what you're doing. And the education process is most important. But this is to me the most important of all. Is that once you have figured it all out and you want to go back to your old habits, it's because you have no respect for yourself. You have no love for who you are as a human being. Because maybe in the past you've done so many other things in your life that you've not liked. But it's a new step forward. It's a new way of thinking. And it's about finding that love and that self-respect for who you are. Because you know what? When you respect yourself and love yourself, you do not put anything into your mouth that is going to cause you to be a lesser person than you are. And when you can reach a high... Like, I thought I was pretty high before I did the elimination. But when I got high... Like, when I got to this point up here, I'm just wondering, how much higher can I go? I really do. Can it, will it keep going? Gee, life gets better. As you get older, it's not the other way around. 
And I see this over and over as people start to do it. And this is my belief. If you're all sitting there and going, geez, I wish my husband was here. (laughs) My girlfriend should be here. Oh, my sister should be here. You know what? It's not about them. It's actually about you. Because this is what I've figured. That when you fix yourself up, you'll fix everybody else up by example. So there was a wonderful priest, 15th century, put on his gravestone something that goes like this. When I was young and foolish and I wanted to, or young and and full of life and I wanted to change the world, I realised that the world didn't want to change. So I set my sights just a little bit lower and I started to work on my country. After many years, the country didn't want to change either. So I set my sights just a little bit lower and I started to work on my community. They too didn't want to change. So I thought, well, I'll work on my family and friends. They didn't want to change either. And here I am on my deathbed. And if I'd only realised before, if I'd only changed myself, then by example, not by telling, but by example. Hey, if I was standing up here, 10 ton Tessie, telling you this, you wouldn't believe a word I said. (laughs) But I'm not. But then by example, because a picture paints a thousand words. I may have been able to influence my family and friends. And then by their love and support, we may have been able to influence a community and then a country and then the world. And you know what? I see this everywhere at the moment. What about Pam Warhurst in the middle of London or in the middle of England who decides to create an edible garden? The whole town is an edible garden now. What about the gorilla gardener who's in New York, I think, or L.A.? who decided that the, the council wouldn't allow him a garden, so he started to just do it anywhere he could find an empty space. You know, there are people out there that are doing it because what they've done is they've put their own puzzle together. And I remember when I was 15 going to a seminar, a chiropractic seminar, and there was this beautiful cartoon that happened. And the cartoon uh, was a little bit like this. It it was this little girl, she runs inside and she says, um, oh no, sorry, the father runs inside, um, tired from work, actually he doesn't run. That was a a lie. He plugs in and plugs into the couch. And the little girl runs to her daddy and she says, daddy, 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 why is the world pink or blue or why is the sun round and why does the sun not come out or why does it go away and ask, 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 ask. And he's so tired, he's flicking through a magazine and he sees this picture of the world. So he sees a photo like this. And he chops it up into little tiny pieces and he says, go upstairs and fix it up. And she's down in three minutes because there's a human on the other side and she figures if she could get the man together, the world would look after itself. It's one of those feel-good cartoons. Who's seen that one? Chiropractors in the room? Oh, it's a, it's a beauty of, of a, goes for three minutes, but geez, it's powerful. So it is about fixing yourself up first. And what my love is, is my love is to figure out how I can be the best person that I can be. And then from there, perhaps I can influence, you know, I can, and my family and friends. And I do. All of my children and my whole family is off weight. And all my friends now, <laughs> they're all off weight. But they all understand real foods. They understand that nature knows best and that we have an innate intelligence that when we consume a food, it knows what to do. You don't actually have to tell it to digest. You don't have to tell it to take the vitamin C to a point to heal. You don't have to tell it to make vitamin D. It will just do it. How amazing is that? You can, if you give it the right foods, it will do the right thing by you. So let's look at some calls to action. 
Because I think that it's no use you leaving here and you don't know what you're going to do. So let's look at the things that I feel you can start to do. The first thing is to educate. And that's, you've started here. Some people are just starting, like I spoke to a lady who said to me, my sister dragged me along. But boy, I'm glad she got me here. So, you know, if you have been dragged along and this is the beginning of your health journey, educate yourself like there's no tomorrow. Do not believe propaganda of the nutritional guidelines, which tell you to eat a high-carb, low-fat diet. Obviously, it's not working. Let's do something different. So how do I educate? Number one, I educate with books. As you heard, um, I'm a pretty prolific writer, and I just keep writing and researching. I never stop. My latest one is on supplements, fish oils, and uh, protein powders. And I I wrote a 40-page report on it. So please, if you get a chance, have a look at it. It's not out yet, actually. (laughs) I just realised it's not out. The very dumbed-down version is, but wait for the big one to come out. So um, we'll let you know. (laughs) I just realised I sent it to the editors, so it's not finished yet. So I educate with information. I have have places where I give you that information, and there's lots out there for free. I refer you to other books, such as Catching Fire, Wheat Belly, Good Calories, Bad Calories by Gary Torbs. My gosh, Gary Torbs, he's like a mind... I don't know where he gets it from. You know, his mind is amazing. It's like Dr. Jack Cruz. You know, I love Dr. Jack Cruz. I love his... I don't know if anybody follows him on Facebook, but he does a a little post every night. And I wish I could remember the one that he posted just... He goes, night. Um, And it was basically about most people... That's right. Most people live every... 60 to 80 years exactly the same year, every year. Because they have a belief in something that they did before and that's the way they've got to do it for the rest of their lives. So, you know, I will refer you to podcasts like The Wellness Guys, Up for a Chat, or The Wellness Couch. There's also lots of other amazing podcasts out there where you can be educated. I don't listen to radio anymore, I listen to podcasts. It's a, it's a new wave happening for education because I'm in the car a lot and I can't read so I can listen to them. Or, you know, what's on radio except mayhem? You know, as long as you stay within the realms of, of your own little world and do not escape outside and the escape outside is when you start to see media um, such as Catalyst three or four weeks ago on the chiropractic profession, when you, you know, that to me is mainstream media not telling the truth. So I give you the... I didn't mind their sugar one, though. I, I must admit, you know, they redeemed themselves on that one, but I did not like that one. So you've got to be picky and choosy with what you do. I have a Facebook page, and on that Facebook page, uh, lots of things happen. I give you information, um, everything that I can, or send you to places what may help you to educate you. I put a monthly newsletter out. And every day I learn, you learn along with me if you read my newsletter. And in that newsletter, I give you another podcast to listen to. Um, and it might be one of the wellness guys that I've really loved, or it could be an up for a chat one. By the way, we just did one on laughter. We cracked ourselves up more than we cracked you up. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. So that's the other thing is um, the podcast, Up for a Chat. This is where Karen, Kim, and I, and you'll be hearing from Karen and Kim, and these two are my absolute soul my soul, beautiful soul sisters. And we've been thrown on this planet to be together. And and I know it because we discuss issues and we both, we all blow each other away. I I always go, Karen, where'd you get that from? 
But they can't. And the same with Kim, we all do it. So it's insightful. And then, of course, I have um, my food um, to help you through this journey. So you don't have to go, well, is this an ethical company or is this not an ethical company? So that's how I educate us through all of these ways. And I believe we need community gardens. I also believe you need your own garden. Because that when you have your own garden, you're actually contributing uh, to the, the saving of the planet. It's not hard. Just, you, know, you just need a little... If you only have a veranda, just have those little pots. If you don't, get out there and till the land and start doing it again. Do you know you can have chooks in your backyard now? Yep. Yeah, it's great. And you can have them in a town block. I think we're allowed three on the Sunshine Coast. Buy local. Go to your farmer's markets. Have a relationship. You know, I say, I have a relationship with my farmer. I know exactly what he's giving his cows. And it's all grass. So have a relationship with your farmer. Your fishmonger. Understand where he's getting his fish from. Like, I have a great fishmonger, and he says, look, Cindy, the only fresh stuff in Malulabar at the moment is snapper. So I eat snapper. You know, so have a relationship with these guys. Uh, Buy ethically. Start to think about where your food's coming from. And if you can buy all your fresh stuff locally, then you'll find companies that you can actually uh, trust, ethical companies. And Changing Habits is one of the companies in Australia today that is leading the way in telling you the truth about your food, where it's coming from. I go through every detail on everything as to how, how, you, um, how we source this food, what it is, what it does for the body, uh, etc. So the last thing I'd like to say is that you guys over the next 10 hours um, have a lot of education happening. But when you have basically that that knowledge, then you have the privilege to act on that knowledge. So act on it on yourself first, and then who knows, you may influence your family and friends. And with their love and support, we may be able to change a community. And with the community's help, we may just change a country and then the world. Thank you, everybody. Happy Changing Habits. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. We've certainly enjoyed delivering it. It's been an absolute treat and an honour to share everything that we have with you guys. So again, to get your hands on the full recording of the full Wellness Summit, go to thewellnesscouch.com, go to the top right-hand corner of the main menu page, and you're looking for a little tab called Shop. When you click on Shop, you're going to find a home study pack, 2013 in Melbourne. That's the one that you want. And it's only $197, so it's a real treat. That makes it $19.70 per speaker. And I don't know where you get that kind of value for that kind of price. So join us here again next week and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we are going to see you on the ride. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.